Good evening. Trying something a little different tonight. This is Ken Macon, and you're listening to Mad After Dark. Appreciate everybody checking in. Kids are in the bed. Just up thinking. Y'all are going to get the real me tonight. I am not mixing, you know, I'm not editing anything. I'm just going to give it to y'all straight, man. Just let y'all know how I feel, man. It's been a little, been a little while since I've been, uh, you know, behind the mic. So, you know, got a little Ronnie Laws in the background, friends and strangers. Uh, my kids love this record. Of course, I love it too. So, I'm going to let this ride for a little bit. Some years ago with Don Chatham, uh, Cedric the Entertainer was in it, and he was the Nighthawk, and he's saying, it's the voice, so kind of reminds me of that, man, I wanted to kind of get into this mood, man, kind of go back to my WKZK roots, man, got this uh, dope mic here uh, from Sennheiser, it's the Profile USB mic, it's so cool, man, it's, uh, like I said, man, it kind of gives you that whole, you know, video soul, you know, being in the booth at night, uh, you know. Helping people get, you know, to and from work. So it's kind of what I want to kind of have here on Mad After Dark. I do have a few things I want to say, though, so kind of let the music kind of slow down here nice and easy. Yep. Man, there's a lot going on. I, you know, I do want to talk about something that's going to keep you all here for a little bit, so... Might as well talk about what everybody else is talking about. Everybody's talking about Deion Sanders. Uh, Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes, man. Shocked the world. Well, depending on your perspective. Um, you know, this past Saturday, I got a 45-42 win over a national championship finalist from last year, which was TCU. Now, you know, people are fairly familiar with my commentary and the things that I've had to say about Deion Sanders in the past. And I can assure you I am. <laughs> standing by those comments if you know me you know what time it is people reached out and well one person in particular reached out and said um shout out to all the uh kenton uh kenton jamar uh, prime haters and with respect to the people that you know have called me a you know uh deon sanders hater and such i am gonna respectfully say you guys missed the point what i mean by that is what Deion Sanders did at or is doing at Colorado is what those of us in the HBCU space wanted to see him do at Jackson State. Just to make sure that we're on the same page, Dion's victory, Colorado's victory uh, this past weekend is largely due um, to the presence of HBCUs. It's HBCUs that gave Prime the chance, uh, that gave him uh, his degree, uh, his education in that way, gave him the opportunity to be a coach um, on this level. And, you know, for as much as, you know, I want to see the man succeed, I want to, there are places where I would like to see him succeed, those places, of course, 
being historically black colleges and universities. And so, you know, I'll put it this way. It is nonsensical to want to see Deion Sanders fail because Deion Sanders has um, put himself in a position and I don't think he's done so, you know, in terms of, you know, being a, a humanitarian or, you know, being anything more than a capitalist. Um, but he has put himself in a position to where um, his success and or rather the fate of other black coaches in that space, um, the opportunities that they will or will not get are larger than the back of, of how he does at Colorado. So there's a lot of pressure there. And certainly I want to see him succeed as a part of a, a greater good, if you will, even if I don't think he necessarily represents a greater good. Now, those lines, you know, can get muddied up pretty quickly when, you know, uh, Prime, you know, gets on the mic and says, hey, you know, people don't want to see a black man succeed. And of course, you know, there's the the cultural pride and the, the anti-establishment piece that people love to see. So I get it. And it's fun to see. And like I said, you know, I want to want to see the man succeed. I just, you know, I just realized what uh, how awesome of an opportunity it would have been the, um, you know, I just just for myself, man, I just see the I have an appreciation and a value for HBCUs. And I, I saw it before Dion. Obviously, I see it after Dion. But to see that, um, to see the collective um, appreciation and joy that people express for Prime, I, you know, I do want to see people have that same energy for black schools. And I do understand that some people are not going to have that energy for black schools um, because Prime is gone, which is, you know, again, um, is unfortunate and kind of you know, defeats the point. And it, there's, you know, that's that's my issue with that. So at any rate, um, they'll smash Nebraska this week and they probably won't see anybody of any consequence until uh, they see Oregon. That should be a should be a track meet. So we'll see how that goes. But um, just want to be clear, man. You know, it's you know, I, I rep FAMU. Shout out fam. Got a 28-10 win over Jackson. Um, I want to see them win by a million. At least by, you know, at least put 50 on. Didn't happen. I get it. But, hey, it is what it is. We move on. But, no, I just, um, you know, I, I want um, people to understand that there is a value to what goes on at black colleges that does not need white validation. Um, as a matter of fact, if you have an inkling or just a, the most modest understanding of history, you'll know that um, that educating black people is radical in this country. So, you know, from my perspective, there will always be a place for HBCUs. You know, when you see what's happening, you know, in, in Florida and Texas and abroad, honestly, in Arkansas and places like that, um, people who, you know, who understand the value of um, not just educating black people and teaching black history, but just teaching the history of, you know, of people overcoming uh, capitalism, overcoming oppression, overcoming, you know, uh, violent regimes. Um, there always be, a like I said, a, a value for um, that type of education, that type of anti-establishment, anti-propagandist education. Which takes me to my next point. Um, you know, we've. You know, we hear the term Rico. Of course, we think about Young Thug and, you know, we think about, of course, uh, the former president, Donald Trump, Teflon Don. Um, we all laughed at his mugshot. 
with good reason. But I saw something today that that bothered me, man, bothered me real bad. And I saw some RICO charges being raised up against um, the um, the cops, the activists in Atlanta who are trying to stop Cop City. And there are 61 uh, activists who are um, facing or who have been actually indicted on RICO charges. And it's nothing more than government intimidation and oppression. And the particularly distressing thing um, with it, you know, with it being in Atlanta now, uh, those specific charges were drummed up by a Republican um, attorney general. I uh, can't think of the na- man's name at the moment. But, um, you know, when you think about Atlanta, um, there is a profound number of black elected officials of Democrat of Democrats who are officials down there. And, you know, how we feel about Rep- Republican and Democrat. And let's be clear, um, the corporate duopoly, um, which is to include Democrats and Republicans, are pro-police. They are pro-taking taxpayers' money and giving it to policing, which we are clear that uh, the police don't serve and protect. The police disturb and collect. So, you know, $90 million project, um, Cop City, which the people of Atlanta decisively said they didn't want. Atlanta City Council voted it um, back in June, uh, voted for the funding um, by an 11 to 4 margin. $90 million dollars. Um, being, you know, um, an estimated cost. There are some folks who think that will go into the hundred million or more, uh, making it a nine figure cost. Uh, when I think about police, I, you know, anybody who's familiar with the show, uh, you guys know the score. You guys know how I feel. Um, defund with the intent to abolish, because I understand what policing has looked like um, in this country, particularly for black people. And I understand its evolution from the slave patrols. And this is why you get the end results that you do um, when you look at policing. And, you know, people talk about various types of reform. You know, we look at, um, you know, hey, if we get some black cops, things will change. And then, of course, you have black cops like, um, uh, (laughs) look, there's a county about 30, 45 minutes away from me uh, in Georgia, Burke County, where the sheriff uh, said that the force was justified in the uh, murder of Rayshard Brooks. I don't know if you guys remember Rayshard Brooks back in 2020, but um, the murder of Rayshard Brooks actually inspired the people of Atlanta to um, to overtake a Wendy's. And so that, of course, you know, was happening during the period of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. My God, it seems like we're so far away from that, but we press on. Um, But yeah, so we're in this place now where three years later, uh, folks are talking about Cop City and look, you can see Cop City in Atlanta. Uh, There's a Basically, and, and to be clear about when they say Cop City, uh, it's, it's talking about a, a training facility that's going to be built. If, if you are not familiar with Cop City, there are two things I want you to do. I want you to pause this podcast real quick. I want you to put in your um, search engine. I'm not going to shout out any search engine, but whatever search engine it is that you use, type in the word Stop Cop City. You know, don't want to give you guys any homework because it's supposed to be making after dark, man. It's supposed to be nice, easy listening, but I'm giving you all homework. My bad. Anyway, um, Stop Cop City, look that up. Also, I would recommend that you look up the indictment um, and some of the drummed up charges um, of, like I said, that they gave these 61 activists. If you're unable to find that information, I'll do my best to link it here um, to this particular podcast.
there are some great resources focusing on uh, the black misleadership class. I love that terminology. You know, I think we assume that, you know, all black elected officials are, you know, um, conscientious, you know, are concerned about, you know, marginalized communities and they're not. A lot of them are, you know, careers and capitalists and First of all, let me say this. Uh, shout out Glenn Ford. Shout out the late Glenn Ford, um, who wrote a book. I'm going to pick up as soon as I put down the uh, put down the microphone. It's called The Black Agenda, and I'm going to actually reread through it. But Glenn Ford, uh, for my friends who are listening in from Augusta, you'll be surprised to know that Glenn Ford actually got his start as a journalist. I um, got to start on the radio in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, on a, uh, at a radio station owned by James Brown, James Brown. So, um, coined the term uh, many years later, black misleadership class. And I think it's just a, a great term to describe what we're seeing in Atlanta in some cases. Well, no, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. What we're seeing in Atlanta and Augusta and abroad. And it's unfortunate. Just makes me think about, um, you know, just the heroes of the past and just how principled their stances were. Of course, I could talk about Martin and Malcolm all day, but, you know, your Ella Bakers and your Fannie Lou Hamers, uh, men and women who were not necessarily prominent in terms of, you know, who we may know or who, you know, you may hear about in a, in a book or, you know, or read about in a book or hear about in school, but just absolute giants in terms of principle, in terms of the people whom they fought for. I'm just it's inspirational in every way and it's those causes that it's on us to continue to pick up. Now, I can't tell you, even as a person who writes for a living and, you know, reads and uh, researches and looks into things for a living in terms of race and culture and social justice, how many people I still come across, like how I'm just always learning and, you know, people will pass away, I can tell you. Uh, some months past, uh, Randall Robinson passed. Had no idea who Randall Robinson was, but um, you know, just giants, just people that we don't know about. People locally, um, you know, people in terms of Georgia and South Carolina, and just people abroad. Man, you just have no idea because it's not taught, and so that's that's the challenge, or some of the challenges that we face. Um, I'll tell you a little bit later why I named this episode "Whelmed." I think people are, you know, are listening in. And let me do this while I'm talking about that topic. Uh, shout out Maine Bradley with More Than a Masters. Um, great podcast. If you're not following it, what are you doing? Uh, More Than the Masters podcast. I love the name, love what it represents. As a person who is decidedly anti-Augusta National, um, to say this, you know, to talk about this idea of Augusta and I would say Maine's done a good job of even transcending Augusta in that way of saying that Augusta is more than this golf tournament. It's more than this, um, this capitalist trap. Um, and we, and we are more than the masters, more than our masters. Um, so, you know, Maine is forever, uh, commendable for that, um, for bringing that idea to life and to, to work on it so diligently. Um, nevertheless, Maine said that um, basically everybody, you know, feels like that the burden on their shoulders is is heavy 
and you know I understood what it was that he was trying to convey you know um, I would only say in response that perception is reality you know there are you know certain realities to feeling that constant stress of feeling overwhelmed and I think a lot of people feel that you know whether it's the job you're working on or you know making sure needs are met um not just you know financial and physical needs but you know just i don't think we talk nearly enough about you know just uh, socially and you know spiritual needs you know we we talk about terms you know mental health you know i think you know it's become a pretty you know it's become fairly commonplace to talk about mental health and we don't talk about mental health you know within the context of capitalism and how Capitalism is bad for mental health, but eh, eh, another conversation for another day. But, you know, this idea of people just, you know, being at their wits end, man. And I can tell you, you know, the pandemic happened and, you know, we rushed people back to work. And a lot of the, the death and disease and the destruction that, you know, that was, you know, already happening but has become really fast paced in the last three years and I don't think we ever we never stopped as a society and said, Man, what are we doing? Like what's going on here? And you know, capitalism sees people as collateral. It's uh I I don't even I I don't even think you can call it just a game of the survival of the fittest, even though, you know, people tear each other apart for money. Um, I think it's I think it's far deeper than that. Um, because when you talk about, you know, hypercapitalism, you're talking about a very small portion of the population. So, um, you know, just ran this nighttime. It's, uh, like I said, man, just a very peaceful man doing the pond right now. Um, not too much noise, just the ice maker. <laughs> but I do want to talk about spirituality for just a second because I'm wondering, you know, like how... Like, how do you make time for it? Like, beyond, you know, going to a place of quote-unquote worship, you know, like, what does spirituality look like in your daily life? Like, do you have time for it? And, like, think about just how perilous that is. Like, when you never really make time to appreciate the why. Not just the why of, you know, you know, why it is that you're doing what you're doing to you know, whether it's in your career to make a living or your purpose or however you want to describe it, you know, you know, keep, you know, keeping your, you know, raising your children, but just the actual, like the why of, you know, like of the universe, you know, like the why of a higher power, you know, do you ever really get a chance to kind of step back and really enjoy life in that way? Or is it just always the constant, you know, just bearing down, you know, and those are kind of things that I hope you're listening to this pod man maybe just pause it for a bit man take a minute or two just think about it man maybe pray about something i don't know and then come back man um i hope that helps you a little bit does wonders for me man like i said i'm doing this podcast man this man after dark um just you know look trying to find some solutions in the middle of the madness speaking of that Look, man, it's supposed to be easy listening, man. I got something. Hold on. As 
previously stated, you were listening to Mad After Dark with Ken Macon, WKJM, WMAD. <laughs> Let's go. format man that um that easily li- that easy listening man you know slow jams just some stuff to kind of wind down man things just good for the spirit man for sure so i'll say this real quick man and then i'm gonna let you go man you know you might be listening to this in the middle of the day during the lunch break you know that's cool um might be listening to this before you go to bed whenever it's the best time for you man uh, look, I'm saying, man, generally, but look, ladies or gents, however you're listening, man, or whoever is listening, it's always appreciated. But no, I'll tell you why I named this thing Whelmed. Um, at first, I was going to name it Overwhelmed, just thinking about my life and just different things that are going on, man. I um, went down the hill head a couple of weeks ago to speak to Josephine Wright. I don't know if you're familiar with that story. It's a young lady, 93 years old. Um, she is actually in the midst of a legal battle. Um, with some developers who are um, trying to arrest her property from her. Um, if you're at, if you're at all familiar with um, just uh, Gullah Geechee culture and, you know, Gullah land, you'll know that this is something that, and, and heirs property, you'll know this is something that, you know, commonly happens. And, um, you know, it's, you know, she's, <laughs> first of all, she's amazing. Um, 93 going on, maybe 23, very sharp, um, you know, still has all the faculties, still drives around, reminds me of actually of my grandmother, man. And, um, I'm actually hadn't really thought about this until I, you know, started talking about it with you guys. Um, she's actually born the same year as my grandma, um, who's no longer with us. And, um, when I was, when I went and talked with her and talked with her family, like I really felt like I was back in my grandma's house and. It's just really cool, man. Both born in 1930. Um, great year. I miss my grandma, obviously. Um, great memories. <clears throat> and uh, for those of us who were, you know, who were able to sit um, at the feet of our grandmother's man and, you know, be covered by their prayers and to, um, you know, be filled with their cooking, man. What a life. Um, what a way to be to be raised, to be um, to be brought up. But at any rate, uh, went down to Hilton Head. Um, the story is, um, you know, it's it's crazy in terms of, you know, what can happen to people and how they can, um, you know, through heirs' property laws and, you know, through 
intimidation and harassment, just how people can be um, just taken out of their land. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. We've got a little bit of time. I'll go ahead and tell you real quick. Um, 1862, uh, Mitchell, uh, name of the town was name of the settlement was Mitchellville. Uh, Mitchellville was the first black um, um, settlement uh, for freed slaves. Um, and this was, you know, in the midst of the Civil War. We all know, you know, the Civil War ended in 1865. And of course, you know, you get into Juneteenth and, you know, all of these different types of commentaries. Um, so basically what happened with the that land is when the Union Army came in and the likes of Harriet Tubman and, you know, and these just black freedom fighters came in and fought for their freedom and um, ran the slave owners off. And that all that land, that land on the coast was made available. You know, a lot of folks thought, hey, you know, people can't do anything with this land. It's marsh. It's, you know, it's nothing. You know, there's yellow fever and malaria and bugs and it's hot and humid. Hey, man, you know how black folks do, man. <laughs> we'll take it and turn it into a masterpiece. Now, of course, people want the land again because it's prime beachfront property. And so you get into these type of situations. But Josephine Wright and her family are fighting. Um, and of course, you know, we'll see what comes of that. But I had a chance to talk to him and excited about that, um, putting that story together. And when it comes out, I hope you guys will read it. I have to link it here as well. But yeah, man, actually on the way from Hilton Head, uh, my car broke down. <laughs> so <laughs> was sitting in the middle of nowhere between um, between home and Hilton Head. So that was gave me time to really think about stuff, to be honest, man. Got home safe, but, you know, still working through that. If you um, <laughs> probably a good time to um, shout out the different ways that you can support making a difference. Um, you can support us on Cash App, uh, dollar sign making M-A-K-I-N, a different show. That's dollar sign making a different show. You can also support us on Patreon. It's the same, patreon.com backslash making a different show. Um, anything and everything is always um, appreciated, man. You know, God will provide, God is providing. Um, so always appreciative, man, of the higher power. But whelmed, whelmed is an interesting word. Overwhelmed and underwhelmed, of course, you know, or more overwhelmed is, you know, hey, I'm, um, I'm inundated. I'm just, you know, there's too much on me. Underwhelmed means, you know, hey, I'm not really impressed. But whelmed has multiple definitions. Whelmed by definition means to submerge or to be buried. That is the the first definition. The second definition is to is to bubble up, to ascend, to to rise above. And that's the definition I'll choose for tonight. Um, because I know there's somebody listening to this man that they feel, you know, beat down and broken down and you know, they feel defeated. So they feel like they're being buried, you know, under problems and challenges. And I just hope this podcast, man, I hope this experience, man, just really helps you to, you know, bubble up and rise above whatever it is that you're facing. And I mean, we're all facing stuff, man. Um, my hope is that, you know, you don't have to do it in a way where you feel, where you feel like you're on an island. Hope you do it in a way that involves community. I hope community comes to support you. Loves on you. And if nobody else loves you, can't make it loves you, man. 
This is making a difference, man. Y'all have a good evening. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's making after dark. Man, after dark. <laughs> I'm still working out the king shell. Y'all take it easy. Touch me and suddenly